Welcome everyone to the I Get Buckets podcast. We are back and as always, I'm your host Simon Harricks and it is an absolute pleasure for me to have two guest speakers here today. Thank you, fellas. I've got the one and only, the Jesse Nugent. Oh, that's me. Our NBL expert. <laughs> Thank you very much, Jesse. Thanks for the talk up. I don't know about, like I say, every time I'm on here, I don't know about expert on NBL, but I, I love my NBL. <laughs> well, by the end, of, the end of the podcast, you always have a few things I'm, I'm loving your input for, and um, it'll be really interesting. We're going to talk FIBA basketball in the World Cup. So I can talk about very, that one. That's all right. Yeah? Oh, we're going to talk about it. I'm sorry. <laughs> and we also have my very good friend, Mr. MJ. Um, basketball lover and podcast expert thank you very much it is a pleasure to be here i was wondering what category of expert i was going to come under so i'm very happy it was podcast and you didn't you didn't lump me in anything that i can't do but i would have said life life expert expert. well i was gonna lead off with um football efl um was it premiership player yeah so yeah, that's obviously a big one uh, for, for all your listeners. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, thank you for having me. It's It's been a long time coming. I, I was on a couple of years ago um, when my beloved Cavaliers were, were in the playoffs and, geez, that feels like a long time ago now. Yeah, well, um, <laughs> so, there'll be less Cavaliers talk today, I uh, think. You would be, you'd be surprised where these conversations can end but up. But i tell you what, just up the top, I want to say that there might be a little bit of Phoenix Suns talk um, by Jesse here. So. <laughs> Um, Salad dwellers. I think it's this is a good timing one. There's been a lot of things that we want to talk about. We haven't done a podcast in a while, and with 2019-20 podcast or the season ready, only a, a month and a bit away. So um, we wanted to do this podcast to kind of bridge the end of last season into this season, and we're going to do um, season previews of the team. But for this podcast, I wanted it just to come in and have a bit of a chat about. There's a lot that has happened. We haven't podcast since the Raptors knocked off um, the Golden State Warriors. A big win. And then, I mean, we're we're talking injuries, catastrophic to both Clay and Durant, the off-season with the free agency, which has been one of the fun ones in a very long time. And I'm not saying that just as a Brooklyn Nets supporter. Um, (laughs) You're right. But (laughs) there's a draft. Um, But, I mean, there's so many things. I've got a few, few things that I just wanted to kind of shoot the shit with both of you. Um, Did you say shoot the shit? Shoot the shit. That's a thing. Cool. We put language warning on our, on our podcast. Simo does it on his as well. I'm pretty sure we, I said shit in the last podcast that I did for you. Yeah, no, 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 we, no we put language warning. I'm just trying to oh, sorry. visualize oh, well, how you shoot shit. If we're, if we're listening, um, Dale came on on our an inaugural podcast, shout out to Dale, and uh, I think there was an F-bomb in the last three or four minutes. So. <laughs> Strikes me as a type that would, yeah. <laughs> so um, I've, I've got no problem. Language warning. Shoot the shit. Shoot the shit's the same. It's pretty clean. Yeah. Yeah. You've heard that. I'm all right with it. Yeah, I've heard it. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna talk about Sorry, basketball. Yeah. Good. Bob um, Bob obviously, <laughs> <we're> talking- <laughs> um, I wanted to talk just very. I mean, a lot of the podcasts we want to not talk about stuff that's already been seen, especially for our NBA listeners that may have um, already delved into all the stuff. But I mean, the Raptors' history uh, quite quickly. The whole Kawhi Leonard movement, I guess, taking over is you'd probably say the best player in the world. Right now, the fall um, for Golden State was was quite dramatic, I think, with the exclamation mark with the two injuries. Um, I guess, did you watch a lot of the series? Did you feel like almost this kind of relief that a a team other than Golden State had had won the title? I watched watched a fair bit of it. Um, It got to a point where the brand of basketball that um, Toronto were playing with, with basically using the seven or eight players they were using, it just felt like it was going to work the whole time when, when Danny Green was continuously hitting shots and when Fred Van Vliet oh, was... Oh, Van Vliet. Yeah, just defending his ass off every time he came off the bench. Um, uh, I don't I don't mind having a few whacks and Serge Barker from time to time, but when things mattered, he stood up. Everything kind of went right at the right time for Toronto. Um, obviously, the, the injuries happened and, and that had a huge impact on it. But I just I love that brand of basketball that that Toronto was playing by the end of it, and everyone kind of felt like they were doing their bit and playing their role, which is what I love to see in any sport. I think it will go down as one of the 
the biggest one-year stints ever for a player to kind of they they swung um, on Kawhi Leonard and there was a, a Mario or different ways that it could have gone wrong, but everything went right. I think you said, you know, playoffs things can happen. That the iconic Kawhi Leonard four bounce on the rim shot against yeah. the, the Sixers. I watched it um, just the other day, and I, it's just so replay value. I mean. The the things that kind of happened and fell into place, it's it's almost crazy. But I mean, here we are, and they get a, a free pass for everything, given the the fact that they had the success and brought a championship to Toronto. So. I'm all for teams completely rolling their dice and going all in on something like that. Like they they gave up the heart of their team to get Kawhi Leonard across for the chance that they might win a championship in one season. They they put everything on the line, and I I, I just love that that brazen attitude. And, the fact that they got it done feels surreal, but all credit to them. I think it's awesome. I, that last game, I, I was on a school trip up to the Northern Territory. So the last game, I've got my phone in and out of reception, watching it. It was great. And then so obviously I had a week where I had no internet pretty much. And then I get back and the first thing I did, I sat on the couch and I watched the three and a half hour um, parade through Toronto. <laughs> I sat there and watched it all and it was just great. I was, I was happy for them all. Mm-hmm. Like it was just... It was, yeah, it was good. It felt like the whole kind of country of Canada got behind yeah, them. massively. And, um, it was just nice to see. Yeah. Um, I guess we won't talk too much about Toronto because, I mean, it's been a long time ago now. But I did want to talk, and there's been a lot of stuff about, I guess, the, the awards for the NBA and how it was really weird that they announced them so late in the piece um, up into the final series. And there'd been so much time between the end of the season and what was almost... Uh, a known factor that they think Giannis Antetokounmpo was going to win. But I wanted to get you guys in because I have a, and I mean, I don't necessarily believe everything that I'm saying here, but I just wanted to kind of um, shoot the shit <laughs> and give a little bit of a, a reason why both for the MVP and the most improved player that it could have gone the other way. I think it was a um, most Experts would have said um, Giannis was the MVP and that Pascal Siakam um, would have won the most improved player. And I think in the the case of Pascal Siakam, I'm I'm still probably on board. But I just wanted to talk about, I guess, uh, Giannis in particular and his MVP season. So we know that he's um, so gifted and um, I guess he's possessing the skill set that is so hard and hard to find and unique. And because of the way that he plays basketball and his athletic ability, you can create this whole system to build around him. You can tailor your individual basketball sets and your personnel to maximize his strengths and then, I guess, hide his weaknesses. Um, so in saying that, because he's basically the world in which the Bucks orbit when they're playing, um, the decision-making is based on him being the foundation. Does that mean that he is valuable or, I guess, it's successful um, and that's what makes it more valuable? Do you think that... Um, the fact that a team's made all their decisions to maximize him diminishes his, his, his I guess, ability on the court? There's, this question always comes up with the idea of MVP and yeah. what it actually means. Because it's not the most valuable team player. It's, no, it, it, it's basically voted for the best player of the year, right? Yeah. But if you want to vote for the most valuable player, I think two things that you need to take into account are win-loss record. And I think you also need to figure out what that team looks like without that player. Now, as I said, I don't think the awards necessarily voted on those things. But in this case, if it is, I think it's pretty clear that he probably should be number one. If you take him out of that team, that team basically doesn't exist. And if all those things that you mentioned about them building a roster around him and building a game plan around him shows how valuable he is. And obviously the numbers sort of support how successful he was as well. But all this... You know, the fact that James Harden, you could almost say the exact same argument for Harden as well. Same with so, LeBron, same with... Well, it's been LeBron yeah. for his whole career, yeah. like, especially at Cleveland, and I, I obviously, I'm a Cavs fan, so I'm a lot closer to it. He should have been MVP every year in Cleveland, because you take him out of that side, and that team was useless. Um, and it got more and more evident later on in his time there. So, it's kind of hard with how you want to look at it, but I think there's a case either way for Giannis, but I also think that... Harden's got a very similar case, and that's probably where it gets difficult because they, they play similar roles where the entire offense for Houston is built around Harden as well. So, And it's a little bit more topical given only 
a couple of days ago, Harden kind of had a, a quote saying that nobody has a season I do mm. and doesn't win MVP. So um, I was just kind of sitting on it the whole offseason, wanted to talk about it. I guess the, the only difference I see with James Harden was that they did drastically switch the way they're playing a little bit into the season. So I'm not saying that they, do, they don't do the similar stuff, given is he the big star, but it was only after a few injuries and they kind of lost a lot of the early games that they were expected to win that he kind of moved into this hero mode and he needed to, to kind of take the Rockets on their back and make sure the season wasn't wasted. He somewhat changed the position he played a little bit to take more more point guard and the, the numbers were astronomical. I think we broke a record in terms of the NBA and how many individual players had 50-point games. I think there was you know upwards of 10 um, and Devin Booker had two and then James Harden I think had eight. Like... It was insane, just the numbers he was done. I mean, I'm not sure if I would have voted for him, but just to play devil's advocate, I think it's a interesting question. Do you think? I don't think. Do you think Giannis can go back to back? I think um, he'd be the short odds favorite. To do I, think, I, don't know. I think odds he's got odds room for improvement. Yeah, odds is, but I don't like. Oh, do you reckon Harden has this sort of um, peg on his back that he's so angry about? What he he believes himself to be that he even comes out this year and has well I think astronomical I think year. maybe Russell Westbrook has a little bit to say but <laughs> interestingly enough um, was it Kevin Durant won an MVP with yep. Russell Westbrook um, but the hard thing is as well Harden made the point that he basically can't do anything more than he did this year and he still didn't win it and that's kind of the argument so I think in his head he's like well that's that's peak Harden I think looking at the odds like it had. Um, Giannis has won and LeBron is like second favourite. It doesn't surprise me. He's too busy with Space Jam. <laughs> He's not going to have enough time to go out there and play basketball this year. Well, there's a lot to say about that. Um, <laughs> I don't even know how to start with that. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just being... There's a lot to say that Anthony Davis is going to um, have a bit of a say on what the Lakers are doing there. So, um, uh, point guard LeBron. Yeah, I'm not to go off too much, but this Lakers season is going to be fascinating. Um, Miss got- Finals again? I can imagine a scenario where they do miss playoffs if one of them gets hurt, um, but I'm not going to be the person who yeah. says that you've got two you know, top five guys on your team and you're not going to be good enough. So, um, But they have question marks around what they've... I, you, there's an argument to say their three best players play the same position mm-hmm. if you want to call LeBron and Kuzma a power forward, which it, I think you can do. Absolutely can. <laughs> Um, so you, I think they got similar problems to the Knicks and other teams. At the does Kuzma last the year at the Lakers? I think he does only because it's hard to use him as a trade chip because of his salary. Say, yeah. His salary is probably half the appeal of them at least making sure they have one more of those guys. It's hard least. to use him to get anything that's going to be more valuable than him on. He's on two million a year this year. Yeah. We'll move. The other one I wanted to talk about, and I feel more passionate about this one, but not only because of the names, but the most improved. So Pascal Siakam, I think, was a landslide over D'Angelo <coughs> Russell, which is fair. I mean, I don't have – I think that's fair. But it, it was interesting because what I thought about immediately was the comparison of Oladipo versus Dinwiddie, which was the year previous. So basically there's his argument of what is most improved. So what's more kind of harder to do or valuable? Is it this jump from being a role player who was a second-round pick to be you know, your second or third option, whereas a difference between the jump from you were a number two player, um, you, know, you were expected to kind of have this trajectory, but it's gone away. And, I mean, you've jumped to an all-star level kind of character. And how hard is it to become, a, you know, instead of a top two, top three, like get into that all-star um, category of player and the reason I you could almost make the argument for Russell was the exact same argument was when Oladipo won over Dinwiddie they were saying you know it's not all about the jump for improvement we know Dinwiddie's gone from um, a G League player to a, you know a very very serviceable backup whereas Oladipo made that jump from we knew he was good but we didn't have that leap in him yeah. um, so I think it's just interesting to talk about what's harder to kind of break to that stardom which, you know, Siakam is on the brink of potentially doing, or is it because, you know, Siakam was, I think, pick 58 or whatever it was that you have this perception that he's most improved? 
because you didn't see it coming. Whereas yeah. Russell was like, "Oh well, we should have been here earlier." Exactly. Yeah. I don't think I don't think you should be able to look at that. I think that's the idea of being most improved. It's not who's got the greatest scope. Um, I don't think that makes. I don't think that makes the conversation any easier. I still think it's a really hard one to, to judge, and for good reason that they both have improved a hell of a lot this year. There's definitely a, a huge case for D'Angelo Russell there. Yep. I don't have anything. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. Do you think Siakam's finals run like yeah. a huge part? I don't know. Well, that's leaving the big question late, yeah. in terms of leaving a late. Is that why I, I did notice you were angling that point early on <laughs> in that conversation? So Maybe a little bit. Yeah. I don't know, but I, I thought it, it... You're... Yeah. A little bit of bias. A little bit? There is definitely yeah. a bias. <laughs> To be honest, I probably would have voted for Siakam, but I reckon... Oh, what are we doing here? I would have I would have potentially <laughs> voted for James Harden over Antetokounmpo. I think the conversation shut very quickly on him being the MVP based on what Harden was doing. And if you delve very deeply into the stats, I think there's not seasons that rival what he was doing. But... Um, it goes both ways, though, because if Harden wins, you sit there and go, gee, Giannis is stiff. Oh, like, big time. Nah. And I think what Jesse said, like, but Antetokounmpo, especially if he adds a little bit more range, he can be better I, by a few rungs. I don't think it's inconceivable that he plays better this season. How old is he? Oh, I'd say he's, this is a guess, but he's like 23. Yeah, I don't think That's he's that old. About the same thing. Yeah. He's got, um, he's got scope to, to improve. and They're all in on him, obviously, so... He's 24. Yeah. Yeah. Clips. That's scary. <laughs> so scary. Um, we're going to wrap up more of the season 18, 19 things, but I don't I don't have too many hot takes at the I Got Buckets podcast. I like I like to think sometimes, but this is this is one of my hottest. Ooh. I want to I want to talk about the last deciding game. The game six, Toronto um, Golden State Warriors, and the the Clay Thompson ACL injury. Um, so for those who can't remember, so basically, um, it's two minutes to twenty two seconds left in the third quarter. Um, Clay Thompson has thirty points at this stage. He's clearly the best player. Up. They're up by three points, and he goes down. And he hurts his ACL. So the way things hurts his ACL, he talk, <laughs> tears his ACL <laughs> from he does his name band, bandaid on it and so well. This this is the yeah, thing. I know. I, we're, we're saying this is an horrific injury. Um, basically, he goes off the court. They take a timeout. Um, he's down the race, and someone quickly and smartly says, "You know, if he doesn't come back and can't take his free throws, then he's not allowed to enter the game again for the rest of the stuff." So. Um, I understand that at the point in time with 30 points, he was such a big point that it's almost a no-brainer that you say, come back and take the free throws because we might need you. Um, so basically, he comes in, he takes the free throws, but then almost immediately, Cousins has to take the foul to get him out. Um, he fouls Siakam and Siakam makes both free throws. So basically, because you've kept him in and he's hurt and you have to get him out, you've, you've just kind of traded off yeah, those free throws. So my, my question is, given the fact that with 18 seconds left in the game and they're only down by one point, could they have potentially managed that situation a little bit differently? If you are, how long do we need as a you know medical expert on the bench, which they have, best in the world kind of thing, to do the test and say, this is an ACL, you, you can't play again. There's no point of us putting you back in the game. And then having to take you out because they're playing on four on defense and you're losing those advantages of the free throws. Is it realistic for us to say they should know that he can't play again? Yeah. T- I mean, a medically, I don't know, yeah. but I, I would assume they can know pretty quickly. Without knowing 100%, I reckon half the professionals out there could watch the incident and say that's an ACL. But you can't deny the heat of the moment situation yeah. where you've got a coach who's sitting there going, mate, all you got to do is stand there and shoot. Yeah. So, oh, you got that thought in the back of your head, let's strap it. It could be okay. Yeah. But you're right. Like ACL, generally, I mean, I'll be watching sport with mates who are physios and they can watch someone go down and go, ACL. And they're watching it on TV. Like if you're there, whilst you still need to do a scan to actually know for sure, like you're pretty, you've done your ACL, Simo. I have done my ACL, and that's sort of thing. Like, um, while Im- immediately I didn't know there was the ACL, you know, you know quite quickly that I'm not playing this yeah, game. True, true. Yeah. Um, 
And I guess NBA rules, you know, go because it was ruled as a non-sportsman, like just normal traditional foul. If Clay Thompson can't take the free throws, the opposing coach gets to nominate who to take the free throws. So I had a look. So basically the three players, if I was an opposing coach, you would have had to choose between Jordan Bell, Andrew Bogut, or I think it was Jacob Evans was the other one. Um, both, I mean, would you have had a pro, if you were the opposing coach, are you picking Jacob Evans, Jordan Bell, or Bogut to take those free throws? It's a tough choice for the coach too. <laughs> but, okay, they all, Jordan Bell's horrific three point. I mean, I'm probably picking Jordan Bell. Jacob Evans hasn't really played too much. Andrew Bogut surprisingly didn't miss a free throw for that comeback time, but I mean, he doesn't take too many. Um, but if you can assume that they hit one, let's hope that you, you know, Clay Thompson isn't playing. He's done his ACL. We can't play him. Let's pick Jordan Bell. So you're saying, so that you actually even out one point higher than you do yep. from that's my whole thing out with a foul. if he can come in and hit one potentially two and you've got five on defense and you don't have to take that foul are we looking at a completely and I know okay, this is a good point I know yeah. basketball is a bit you can't just say no. this yeah. this point changes everything but if they're equal even one um, point up with 18 seconds to go that whole last crazy scenario plays out very very differently yeah that's a good point. As I said, in the heat of the moment, it's difficult to think that clearly. Um, you took a while to get to this take. I wasn't quite sure the angle you were trying to get to, but this is actually, it's a really good I point. I needed to build it. There was, yeah, there was yeah, things yeah. to talk about. Okay. No, it's a really good point. And it almost can... take as long as um, it's going to take Clay to rebuild his ACL. <laughs> 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 Jokes. <laughs> but you know what? Do you, reckon, do you reckon Golden State's doing a review on that exact situation? I mean, I think so. I would be. If, I, if I'm... Talking about it, I reckon they would be. Yeah, it's a great point. I mean, I think in hindsight, of course, yeah, do it in a heartbeat because, as you said, they had to foul immediately. So not only do those points get evened out, Boogie gets another foul on him, um, which you never know how that's going to play out later in the game. So it does make a lot of sense. But with that said, I can absolutely understand the position that they, they took and, and why they took it. But um, I just remember at the time, I'm like, it mustn't be – like, if – if he's going back on, back he's on, not yeah. too bad. He's jarred his knee. Yeah. yeah. And then I'm like, oh, they, they've given up a, a monument point in the biggest game of the season. Um, and that's on like, this is championship, you know, decisions. But I, I guess you're talking about a one-point turnaround there, whereas they're talking about the potential that Clay Thompson continues to play that game. game. And that's my biggest that's thing. That's the other fact. That, my, my, my biggest thing is, should they know? Yeah, should they know? Because if they did, and I think they should, there's no way he... All it takes is one doctor to be like, yeah. you know what, you're wasting your time. Yeah, and it's, it's not like Clay Thompson was running to take him. He was yeah. he was in the race. Yeah. Someone went off the bench, ran down and said, you need to come take these free throws. And I don't know how they communicate that really quickly. It's almost... It'll be very quickly that he can't come into the game. All right, what? This is a no-brainer getting back. Um, but someone needs to go, there's no way he can play right now. And we're giving up potentially two points. I like it, and I think that you need to have more hot takes. Yeah. Like this. If, if that's one thing that you're not doing enough of. Yeah, I think the Warriors um, doctor's been a bit of trouble <laughs> after this podcast. <laughs> well, I mean, I tell you what, uh, Australians are getting jobs all over the NBA at the yeah. moment, sports science and stuff, so um, if anyone wants to give me a job. No, <laughs> I don't know. The Warriors I, have got one. <laughs> I just wanted to talk that because 18 seconds, it was really weird ending to that game. Um Raptors have the ball one point up and they turn it over inexplicably. So the Golden State do have a chance at the end. Um, Steph Curry misses the three. They call a timeout without by having them. There's the tech. They end up losing by four. But I just think if they were 110 all instead of the 110-11, that last shot's completely different. They're going into overtime if they miss. Um, then you got the next game without Clay anyway. So, so Steph Curry missed the three. Was Kevin Love defending him at the time? Is that, is that why he missed it? I, I like I like throwing the Cavs into it a little bit. <laughs> we can talk about that Kevin Love as much. I, I love him. <laughs> I love it. Kevin Love like retweets kind of some of the stuff about that that he gets sent sometimes. And no, does he? It's, it's very good. <laughs> All right. Well, that's my take. Good. Yeah, I just that wanted was, to get that's that was really good. And I'd be disappointed next time I listen to this podcast if you don't have another take just as hot. All right. Well, I'll, I'll be watching. But I mean, um, it took me a while to get that one. But no, I just feel bad for the doctor with no job now. 
They are listening as don't, well. Say, so, shut up. Don't feel bad. Just feel happy for me. <laughs> it's probably a doctor sitting there going, I said it the whole time, but they just ignored me. But I mean, when I, when I did my ACL, they do kind of this like pull test on your knee. And then the physio that was there was like, uh, I'm not sure. We have to get an MRI to confirm. Um, but the, the physio is playing it real safe. Though. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think people there, and even if it wasn't an ACL, I wasn't playing basketball in the next hour. Yeah. yeah like, <laughs> You're pretty sore. Yeah. <laughs> Putting it out there. Uh, let's just say Clay Thompson's a zero on defense for the rest of that game. Yeah, true. Um, well, let's let's move outside of, of the actual basketball that was played and more to the offseason. As we kind of mentioned, the free agency has been huge, but I think it's kind of been mostly talked about. We can delve into a lot of things, but I think I put it to both of you before we... Um, got together to talk. I wanted to, to look at some of the, the other kind of moves that sparked your interest or um, you kind of looked at as being a little bit, I don't understand those ones. And there was a few for a few teams. How exciting is free agency, must I say? Like, this year it's been, it's, it's been a big free agency. There's something about, like, we all, we all enjoy sport for the actual sport, but there's something about that off-season when rosters are changing and people are moving around that is just so insanely exciting. I literally sit there worrying about where Devin Book is going. Like, <laughs> I'm worried about what Phoenix are going to do. I'm like, please keep him. Please don't go. I actually took it. I, I, I was working from home the day that Fred started. So in Australia, it was like 8 a.m. when it started because it started at 6 p.m. or something over in the States. And it was just like I almost couldn't sleep the night before. Even though my team had nothing to do with it, it's just such an exciting period. And I just love that it's becoming such a thing. Anyway, that's just a side note. Well, I mean, there's, there's a couple of – People talking about is the basketball off off the court getting more exciting than the basketball? It's on a the scary court? truth. Um, which is it's all the fantasy basketball fans out there who want to build their own roster. And I think there's something to say that when it gets to the end of the finals, obviously there's a portion of fans that just like basketball, and like watching it. But um, you know, there's two teams involved, and fans of all of the rest of the teams that are not playing basketball have been looking. And I mean, if in case of some of the teams that are boring out, you've been looking to free agency, you know, from January. Yeah, exactly. So um, there's lots to do it. I, I'm going to throw it out to the floor. Is there any few talks that? Oh, sorry, trades and stuff you, you want to well, have a chat. Obviously, obviously you you, you want to bring this up. We're going to talk about Brooklyn. I wasn't going to talk about Brooklyn. Really, I think it's been talked about. We can have talk a very well, very we quick. To, uh, just brief, like Brooklyn. Of, I'm I'm happy with the, where they're sitting. Oh, it's insane. Just, yeah. I think, I think you'd be pretty happy too, Simo. I was stoked. I was um, <laughs> at the airport, ready 20 hours of, of no Wi-Fi, but I got enough time to see um, the initial building blocks. Of- Is Durant going to play at all this year? No. no. I'm yeah. hearing that there's a very good chance, chance yeah. that he plays. A bit after Christmas. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, really? That early? I wouldn't January. say, but I'd say like all-star break. If you're a conspiracy, so you're, you're saying Feb. If you're a conspiracy theorist, you look at when they've scheduled the Golden State games against Brooklyn, and say that they've put them there intentionally. Mm. Um, everything that's coming out of the team is no time frame dependent, but they're saying they're very impressed with his comeback, yeah. and they've none of them have said anything around him missing the whole season. Well, maybe we get back together later on. I reckon late Jan. Oh, I I I I love. Imagine it. they rushed him back and he did it again. Well, that's that's my only thing. I reckon they'll be very cautious. There's no rushing back, but I think there's a an optimism at the the team and especially from Durant that he's going to be back for playoffs. Yep. What I like about what Brooklyn's done is they've obviously managed to re-sign Karis LeVert, hang on to Joe Harris, and do all this while Jared Allen's on his rookie contract. I also think adding Torian Prince is a nice little piece too. So they've bought in the big guns, and yes, they lost D'Angelo Russell. But apart from that, nothing's nothing else is really different. Like apart from a few bit pieces here and there, they've done a really good job to hold that. Yeah. Loss and very quickly on Russell, I think it's almost you miss the the fact that they um given Russell wanted to to sign there and Durant was committed that they they organised the sign and trade for Kevin Durant. So. Basically, um, we traded D'Angelo Russell, got Kevin Durant, and a first-round pick back um, to make sure that Golden State could fit him into their kind yeah, of pack, right. which is um, good it, for the Nets. But if nothing else, Russell is the collateral damage in all of this, yeah. and it's sad to see him go. But yeah, and I don't know if he's the best fit at the Warriors either. I think he's a very interesting fit yeah, at the Warriors. I, I think the thing is, he's not a fit at Brooklyn with Kyrie. Yeah, um, but of course not. 
Yeah. He, he's clay. But the big thing with Russell is, you know, he's 23 and he's almost insurance. I mean, everyone keeps talking he's a tradable asset for Golden State. But, you know, Clay's 30, Stefan's 31, I think. Like, is it almost like this is the starting block oh, for our next game? They're not going anywhere nah, anytime yeah. soon, though. As if they're going to get rid of Stefan. I know, but I just I just think that you spend your money um, wisely, I think, in Russell, given his season and his age. And yeah, everything. but Thompson and Curry aren't going to anywhere for four years. And I reckon in those four years, Russell wants to be more than a third string. Yeah. That's true. Somewhere. Because the minutes are going to come from somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a good point. <laughs> um, look, I, I, I'm really interested in what Utah have done. And it might not seem as big on the surface, but I love the fact that they've obviously brought in Mike Conley. But... Adding in Bogdanovich, Ed Davis, and even to a lesser extent, Jeff Green, and losing Rubio, Favors, Crowder, and Corver, I think it nets out to a big a big profit in the in the sense that their starting five now is Conley, Mitchell, Bogdanovich, probably Ingles and Gobert. And if you need to go bigger, you've got Ed Davis there as well. I'm just so excited to see what they're gonna be able to do with with Mike Conley running point there. And I, I really think that Donovan Mitchell is gonna thrive this year. I think the problems you've seen with Utah in the playoffs um, have been Donovan Mitchell kind of having to drive everything and Ricky Rubio's kind of um, problems being exposed a little bit. I think Mike Conley is just this perfect fit. Yeah. Um, I love the fact that he's there. I mean, some of the players that you say that, that have left, um, I think Derek Favors um, hurts you, but he's, he's expendable and what do you want to do? And, to get back Bogdanovich, who was you know the best player for the Pacers in the, you know, the playoffs and had an amazing season, I think best FIBA player at the World Cup too. Different Bogdanovich. Yeah. Ah, sorry, yeah. but I <laughs> 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 was zoned out. <laughs> but um, Boyan, Boyan, um, very good player. I'm very curious as what to watch them. I think they're going to be right up there in the in the West this year. Yeah. I wrote down the Suns just because I wanted to... All right, I want to talk about the Suns. Yeah, all right, okay. Yeah. No, you go first. Because my, my no, Suns... No, I want to hear what you've got to say. My, because... my, 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 mine's about the Suns, but it's not players that have gone there. It's players that have left. But they're still a basket case, is that... Well, um, do you do you know where both Josh Jackson and Dragon Bender are now? Not at the, <laughs> not at the Suns. Well, they're not at the Suns. <laughs> no. Dragon Bender signs with Milwaukee, and uh, Josh Jackson's been traded to, to Memphis. And I just thought it was interesting if anyone's buying any stock. My my more point to talk about it was that Dragon Bender's pick four in 2016, Josh Jackson pick four in 2017, both gone for basically nothing. Um, for nothing. For nothing. Yeah. Dragon Bender, they didn't even pick up his team option. For They had to kind of dump Josh yeah, Jackson's did. salary to yeah. get rid of him, which is weird. And I went back and had a look, and I thought this was interesting, but Eight of the top 12 from the 2016 draft are not with the team that they first played with, which I thought was a good start. 2016? Yeah. So that would have been... Is that the Ben Simmons draft? Let me get it up. Ben Simmons, Ingram. No, No, Fultz is the next one. Ingram, Jalen Brown. It's the the Ben Simmons one. Moutier. Yeah, so Ben Simmons still with the team, but Brandon Ingram. Yeah. Dragon Bender pick four. Chris Dunn pick five. Marquise Chris. Marquise Chris, another, another Phoenix, Phoenix one. Eight. Yeah, Jacob Purtle, pick nine. Thonmaker, pick ten. Sabonis, yeah. move. Torian Prince. Papa Giannis isn't in the country anymore. He's in the league. Denzel Valentine's still at Chicago. Yeah. But, I mean, that's back at pick 14. Yeah. yeah. That's nuts. Mm. And this 2016 is not very long ago. So, who's still there, though? you got Simmons, Jalen Brown, Buddy Heald, Jamal Murray. So, there's still some... Some good gets there. There's some good plays in that draft, but that's what I mean. It's been real hit and miss. Is Josh Jackson a better player this time now if he wasn't drafted by Phoenix? I think there's a very strong case to say yes. Me too. But from what I hear, Phoenix's issue with him was the culture. They just didn't buy into the culture. Didn't buy into the team. He didn't. No. Um, So I'm not necessarily sad to see him go. Bender, I was was a little bit confused because – yeah, I didn't get why they offloaded him like that. Um, Have you seen enough from Bender to think that he's worth persisting with? It's a good question. Like, uh, he played good minutes, but not a he's not worth a lot of minutes. I guess is the downside to that. 
Whereas we bring in Baines. Yep. Um, and you've got DeAndre Aiden. Aiden and bring in Rubio. I don't know. I'd, I like still, I like Rubio. Yeah, I like Rubio too. I don't know. It's still, we're not going to make playoffs again this year. Oh, well, I wouldn't say so. <laughs> no. Exactly. I would say you're very far off it. Yeah, massively. Um, but so, it's yeah. all about Aiden. I think it's all about Booker. Really. Yeah. But I mean, Aiden, obviously, if you look at fantasy, he had a very good year, but there's a lot of talk about how good he was last year and his, um, his defense. But I mean, he's so young. I was going to say, he's yeah. playing on some big boys. They've got they've got they've got hope there, but I just I thought it was interesting when you're looking at the transactions that both your pick fours from years you know yeah, and two that, and three. That's why I'm worried about Booker because they're going to stuff up. They'll just offload him somewhere for nothing because yeah. they're idiots. Yeah. Clippers, that's that's I mean, my son's talk. Yeah, we good. can talk clips. Clips. We got to talk clips. You, you got to talk about it. Clips. How good are they going to be to watch this year? <laughs> That'll be fun. Oh, how much depth do they have? That's the thing that got me. I thought um, the fact that they kept. Everyone. Um, <laughs> they're two nominees for sixth man of the year yep. in Lou Williams and Montrezl Howell. Let's just plug and play in the same role off the bench. There's no ego. Like They don't need to change anything around. My my big thing on them is how they're going to manage both Paul, George, and Kawhi in terms of their health going through the year. But um, I think they'll steal, they'll steal the, the map from Toronto, I think, in terms of what they did with Kawhi. Um, I'm just happy to see Doc Rivers not coaching his son again. <laughs> I just love it when Austin Rivers is not on his team. But Most even keeping Pat Beverly, bringing in um, Mo Harkless, like these are all great pieces to have around these these stars. And if you talk about managing the health of um, Kawhi and Paul George, give them a rest every now and then. And still, it's still a great team. If Kawhi's not playing in that team, it's still a great team. That's that's the thing. Number one team in LA. Yeah. We got Death, Landry Shamet. Landry big Shamet. tickets on him. Um, Jermichael Green? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, even like when we talked on one of the I Get Buggers podcasts about Zubak getting them yeah. for nothing last season. He's a, he's a young, nice player, I think. I think him and... Him and um, Trez are a nice mix with center. The only issue is when they come up against any of the big gorillas, yeah. which will be difficult for either of them to play on. But there's just not that many really big guys who are going to cause too much issue this year, especially come playoffs. But uh, I, and until we sort of had this podcast ready to go and you said, can you look into a couple of teams? I didn't realize how bloody good they're going to they be. Yeah. yeah. Kawhi's a magician. The only other things I had, I had, I thought it was funny that um, the Knicks draw picked up, you know, four power forwards and then have three point guards that all can't shoot in Peyton, Milikina, and Dennis Smith. Um, but I mean, and then we talk about one Laker player that was recently added that I just wanted to talk about. Do we have how low are the expectations for Dwight Howard this year? I think they're at the right level of loan for him to. Not have any issues. Have you not been watching his mixtapes? He's put together himself <laughs> no, but him with his rig out. Like he looks, he looks great. He's always look good. No one's expecting him to do it. He's anything. got a new haircut. I'm expecting he does, him, doesn't he? I'm expecting him to have about three new children by the time the end of the season. <laughs> <laughs> I just think that no one's expecting anything from him. He's going to rival Devin Booker. <laughs> Whatever he achieves is almost a bonus. And How important is he though now? Is he like is he important or it doesn't matter? As weird as it sounds, JaVale McGee's kind of nice security if things don't go well. I'd be worried for the cheerleaders. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's already he already knows where to go. He's been to LA once before. Um What did you like there's all this talk lately about Giannis to the Warriors like the year after. Uh, they're just saying it can happen. Yeah. I think it's I'm, more just like if Anthony Davis um put the clock on him, when's Giannis gonna do if they can't make the the playoffs, and there was a, everything to say that they could have kept Malcolm Brogdon and done it again if they wanted to go over the cap. And the fact that they didn't um, sends a little bit of a message to Giannis that you know, well, there's a, there's a limit on what we're going to do. Um, I actually wanted, I, I thought that was one thing that I'm a bit worried about with them is is that hole that Brogdon's going to leave Milwaukee, especially with the way that Bledsoe played in playoffs. Yeah, I think that's going to hit them a lot harder than they think. Or maybe they did think it, but it was a nice big contract that Indiana offered him, so it was kind of hard. And they paid all that money to Middleton, so... Yeah, I mean, Middleton 
is objectively very overpaid, but you had to kind of pay that money. I, no I, I don't have an issue with it. I don't have an issue with it. I got one last Especially one. for a small... Oh, yeah. Like, I reckon they start as favourite in the East. I mean... It'd be, Mate, they're on the Sixers. I think, yeah. I think the Sixers are very... I think the Sixers are going to go one or two ways. If you but, look at the best seven players between Milwaukee and Philadelphia, five or six of them are Sixers players. Giannis is number one. And I reckon the next four are probably Sixers players. How, how do you want to talk about Jimmy Simmons? Butler, Simmons. Well, Butler's in my league, but Sorry. I mean, Tobias. Yeah, about the East. So who else in the East? I'm just talking about those two teams. Okay. Let's let's say Milwaukee and Sixers are in the Eastern Conference Finals. The best seven players across those two teams, apart from Giannis, I reckon the next are Embiid, Simmons, potentially Tobias Harris, potentially Al Horford, nearly on a par with Middleton, who's probably next. But I think we've seen and. They want to go big, but Tobias Harris had, you know, a final series that was very hit and miss. Um, this is this has to be this the season that we see Ben Simmons want to maybe take a shot. There's all this talk, and I'm like, I'm, I don't buy into the fact that he he wants to to shoot the basketball yet. I mean, you can Instagram video all you want. You can edit as much as you want. I can hit I can hit ten threes in a row if you if you film me can in the you? right way. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if you edit it properly, <laughs> um, but um, Cut. he he he's everything I think for them going forward. Um, in terms of them winning a title, I think it's very important. And they're not going to win a title. Let's don't be stupid. I, I think they were very. I think they could have been quite close last season. I think yeah, if things sure. went right. The ball bounced differently. Um, they were right there. Sometimes you just need some things to go away. But um, they've traded away a little bit of their depth. I think Tobias Harris was insurance for Butler going away, almost. Yep. Um, yeah, but, their, their depth is definitely there. But issue. I mean, JJ the, you're, pay, you're paying Tobias Harris more than Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. You're talking about big in the East. Does Kemba Walker, is he in your top 10 in the East? As he's, the Celtics? I reckon he's top yeah, 10 top most 10. important, for sure. I think he is, yeah. I, mean, I just don't want to miss out on him. Yeah, no, I think it's a good thing. I think the Celtics are very interesting. We haven't spoken about this yet. I think a lot of it comes down to what Tatum and A would do. Mm. I think Tatum's very sore at the moment. So, and if you if you if you believe um, Boston, all their problems were because of Kyrie Irving. Yeah, and uh, you can believe what you want from that. But now that he's gone, they think that Kemba's the everything that they wanted Kyrie to be. He's the anti-Kyrie. I mean, that's the East. The the West is a is there any kind of things you want to talk about quickly? The other or? team I'm worried about is um, is Portland. I I worry about the loss of Amino and Harkless, those tall wings that they have, when they're predominantly a, a guard-dominant team. Um, and then com- compounded with the loss of Nurkic for majority, if not all, of the season. Um, I think they're going to rely on Zach Collins to take a big leap this year and potentially play some time at the four alongside Hassan Whiteside, which who knows where that's going to land. I think Bazemore's a nice get for them, um, but he's kind of not what they needed necessarily. So you lose Aminu, Harkless, uh, Evan Turner, Myers Leonard, Ennis Canner. You bring in Bazemore, Hazonia, Whiteside, and then you've got Nurkic injured. Yeah. I don't know. I worry about them being... They were such... They finally hit their straps in playoffs last year and everyone was kind of like, here they come. And Lillard and McCollum is just, you know, awesome to watch. I just think that um, they're going to struggle a little bit more this year. It's not going to be a fairy tale. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I had them last year as a, a team that I think were potentially going to drop off a little bit and they should like, they... Yeah, I think everyone did. Everyone's yeah, like, the thing is they played so well, but... I, I I kind of have a hard feeling going the still like yeah the I, I get it like I just think Amino and Harkless it's it's so much bigger hole than than you think yeah oh yeah big time and I'm I'm curious to see what role White side plays <laughs> White side's an interesting one <laughs> the guy can play oh yeah and I think um, the West is going I think it's silly to think that you know there's eight you know teams in the West um, and we're not going to see you know, your Dallas's and, you know, your, even if the Pelicans click um, to kind of push for, to take wins off. 
a few of these teams. Dallas would be interesting. Yeah. Nah, Dallas, are, they're going to be carrying too much weight. They've got to take padlocks. Everyone's got to take a padlock to lock on Porzingis' door to make sure he doesn't get out. <laughs> and they've got to make sure <laughs> Porzingis gets on the court first. It's been a long time since I've seen Porzingis play. Um, <laughs> that was a really bad joke. Yeah. <laughs> <Not> funny. <laughs> yeah, well... Um, we said a joke about Dwight Howard not going to put Zingas in the same boat. But, yeah. Um, I think we talked, like, the Pelicans are weird because, uh, you know, you, you strike the jackpot with Zion and you get all these new plays in. I'm so interested to see how Blood Brandon Ingram and, and Lonzo Ball play. Can't wait. I get Favors and Rennick. I just, I'm super excited for the season. We can't wait. Yeah. It's going to be good. Um, we have a little bit of time to pivot from NBA to the FIBA World Cup, which has just finished. The. Awesome highs, but then devastating. the devastating lows with the Australia team who lists off, was it six wins in a row before? Yep. Um, only needing to... Double to, overtime loss to Spain. Yeah. Um, to Spain who cruised through in the goal. Yeah, I was going to say how much... I, I thought whoever wins this game was going through to, to be favourite into the gold medal match. And, you know, you win that and then the worst you can get is silver and then... Obviously, the Australian team works away walks away with nothing. So, do you feel that the Australian team feel just kind of like shattered? It was such a missed opportunity, or do they take confidence on how they played so well? And I mean, they came in with an eleventh world ranking. You know, next time they they've just shown that they're you know a top five six team in the world. That's a really good question. Um, after the the loss in the bronze medal game, I I had to turn my social media off. Because I was like the um, like the stuff I was reading was just I couldn't I couldn't handle the imbeciles like the the ridiculous calls about you know oh you know we've won six in a row now we've lost two in a row oh we're such a bad team like seriously like it's a you play a game every second day they were like the Aussies were spent they were absolutely spent by the time it got to that like a double overtime game against Spain you get to the bronze medal game against France give it all you got for the first three quarters and they were just cooked. Absolutely cooked. Um, the rankings, like, I mean, so you're looking, the, the next thing's the Olympics next year. That's what you're looking at. And the team's going to be very different for the Olympics next year. So is the US team, though. So is the US team. And I'm not saying that the Aussies are going to do any better. I'm just saying, like, the team's going to be different. And with those additions, you, you play a different game. To what so so different how. I've I got to ask, why wasn't Brockhoff playing in this team? He had a baby. His wife, his wife was, she literally had a baby like the first round. Okay. Okay. So he put his hand up early and said, I'm, it's more important for me to be. Okay. I didn't, um, I was, who was the one guy I was just like, yeah. hang on, what's yeah. going on there? Nah. So yeah. So you, so you got Brock off, you got Maker, you got Simmons, you got Bolden and. Four NBA players. Yeah. Four NBA players that sort of come in. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Um, Would Dante Exum play? And Exum if he's yeah healthy as well. And that just changes it's the big. whole yeah, game plan. So I, I, my question to you guys is what, with those guys coming in, I guess, is what players stay from the NBL almost? Well, <laughs> I thought it was interesting that um, Two that really played. when Cameron Glidian, is that how he pronounced his last name? Glidian, yeah. Um, they had a thing about how he made the team and that every single coach had him in their, their squad, um, that he was a clear um, after training camp that he was in. Um, and then... Obviously, Mitch Creek is a late in and then basically plays all of his minutes. I'm like, I'm not sure where they saw his fit in the team and if he's, they'd be shocked if he's there. I, my take of it was that Golding came out and had the first two games. That took, that was Glidden's like tournament over. Yeah. If Golding doesn't come out and hit some of those shots he hit in those first two games and build those minutes, there's Glidden's minutes gone. Golding was a good fit for that team. He was. He, 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 he played some D. Which I was impressed with. Yeah, gave it a crack. Um, I think Nick K has to stay in that team. Nick K was he great. Was, wasn't he? he was very. Good. I was. I was very. And there was a few others that were very um, worried after the the sort of practice matches against Canada and the USA, but against those European bodies, he was perfect fit. Why isn't Jock Landau playing NBA? He's probably saw it towards the end of the tournament. Like he's still young. He's real young. Yeah. Um, and his finish around the rings probably not strong enough for yeah, him right now. He's not far off. No, no, I'm not saying like he won't make it. I'm just saying like he's he's just not he hasn't got that strength just yet. Yeah. And this is a, a homicide take, but does Jonah Bolden leave the team because Jock Landell outplays him and takes his minutes? Yeah, that's what happened. 
Yeah. That's my take. So what does this say about Jonah Bolden? Is he committed? He's going to come back and be a big part of the team? Or? It depends if Bogut, Ingles, and Paddy Mills are still all three next year. Because mm-hmm. my take is those three, Sade and Lamanis, Bolden's not in. Get rid of him. That's my take. Is those three reckon Bolden's not committed? If you're not in, they they've run that team for the last you know three four tournaments and built it up from built it up. Nothing. Yeah, and not to 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 kind of get on Bolden because he's so young, but. I mean, he was absolutely unplayable in that Sixers Nets series that we saw. I haven't really seen too much of him that that makes me think, wow, they really missed him at all. Like, I mean, he's very young, and we obviously know because of um, you know his his talent, he's played that he has the potential and should and be a big part of part of the team. But it didn't feel that they missed him, and there was a gaping Ben Simmons hole in the team, but it didn't feel that way for Bolden at all. Paddy Mills is 12 months older next year and bring Simmons in, you, you're going to get a lot more from Mills again, I think. You have the two of them out there. And Bogut Bo goes around all the time? I think Bogut goes on more, as long as he's not banned for life from <laughs> fever competition. How big is the fine? Have you heard? I haven't heard yet. I don't know if any, but as soon as that happened, and I mean, questionable call, but as soon as he made the finger thing with the money, I was like, oh, that's not for... Well, that was, that was the rumour. So apparently, like, on the... The bus on the way back, Paddy Mills is told you're in the All-Star yeah. 5 team and he gets told that and then he's not in the team and they reckon that because of Bogut's comments, he got pushed out of that team. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that, wow. I've seen that doing the rounds on Twitter. Yeah. Is that kind of why? Well, Paddy Mills has posted a couple of things himself. Yeah, like, that's I was I told I'm in the team and then... That's what I saw. Who, made, who got in his spot? Do we Rubio? Know? Rubio. Would have I think it was Rubio. Oh, Rubio probably deserved it. I don't know. Was it Bogdan Bogdanovic? Um, Gasol. Ru- Rubio against the Aussies, though. The, like... He wasn't that good against the Aussies. I thought the Aussies played Rubio pretty well. I thought they they matched up against some of the other team's best players very well. Mm. Um, if you want to say that, um, Apart go from Fournier. Fournier, I, was Fournier, I say, thought Fournier was Fournier great. killed it. I, but, but like against the Aussies, that was their game plan: was let him take that any day of the week, whatever he wanted from the top of the key around that key, let him take. That. Well, as soon as they play Bogut and they put him in the pick and roll, and Bogut can't get to the top of speed and hangs back. Like, there's just so much space for Fournier to kind of pick and pop. Um, and I, one of the, a few of the Lithuanian players were doing it. Like um, Against France, I think they're happy with that because it meant that um, Gobert was out. Like, they just were yeah. getting Gobert out. So. And, I mean, they, I mean, in the bronze medal game, they forced other people to take it. And you'd think the scouting report was that Albisi hasn't fucking taken a yeah. shot for the whole game. Oh, and he language. just... Sorry, language wrong. We already had one. Um, and then he hits three yeah, huge um, things that, you know, tear the hearts out of um, the Australian team. Yeah. I think um, Bogut comes back, plays a better season in the NBL. He's got a real coach this year in the Kings. So, um, <laughs> Subtle dig if you didn't pick that one up. Oh, not I'm so glad subtle. you know me well enough to know what I'm talking about. That was not subtle at all. But that, the Kings have an actual coach this year. So, the, oh, sorry. <laughs> now he's doubled down the on Kings it. Are, the Kings are finishing top two because they've got a coach that understands. <laughs> they've got what? A coach who's going to know that Bogut doesn't just pull screens at the top of the key. They're going to actually know that he's got a little nice hook shot. He had a coach last year who got him MVP. That had nothing to do with the coach. Mm-hmm. And Bogut didn't deserve him, but he last year. So I'll put that out there now. Um, I was hugely impressed by Bogut's last few games in this World Cup. But, he was um, good. And I think Nick Kay comes back to the Wildcats with so much more experience and so much more like leadership that uh, most most improved. He was great. He yeah. Uh, close, he, close to most improved this year based on if he can bring what he took to the World Cup back. Well, we don't have long... To wait until the, the Olympics, I guess, will we'll fly past. But Less than a year. Yeah. Um, and the interesting thing is the quali- Like, So a lot of the teams that played, like you get a qualification based on this World Cup that's happened. So I think it was Iran went through from Asia. So And then France, Argentina, and Spain went through from Europe. So the European qualifiers for the Olympics are going to be crazy good. No, sorry, Lithuania didn't make it through. Didn't so yeah, it. no. So it's France and Spain. So there's going to be some good games. Like, uh, I'm, I'm curious yeah. about how they're going to set up the the brackets in the tournament because the, the World Cup was very interesting how you brought over your points and then almost if like you, you couldn't really lose more than one game if you no, were going anywhere yeah. like um, so we only played Lithuania in the third game and I remember us talking about it and a lot of media saying oh you know they've, they've both already qualified for the next group you're like no 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 they need to win this game like this is if they don't win this game, you play USA. It's, yeah, it's do or die against France. It was do or die yeah. against um the other team in that um division. I can't remember what it was. The 
and we watched it at the pub. Um, I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dominican Republic? Yes. Yes. That's the one. Um, they were all yeah. so important. Um, and yeah, well, the Olympic, like, half the teams are qualified already, so you yeah. know who your competition's going to be. Japan gets that automatic qualification for being host nation, so, you know, yeah, yeah interesting. Very quickly, before we, we hit our allotment, but um, the exhibition games, Australia, USA, was so so big, and it was, it was really kind of good to see, but um, it was so interesting to see the flip side from one game to the other and the negativity towards the positivity given... The, the Australian knocked off the USA for the first time in 17 years, I think it was, in exhibition play or something like that. First, well, yeah, and the first time we'd ever beat USA. Time, yeah. But um, in terms of them not they losing a game, um, you were both at the games. I went to the win, so Jesse went to both. Yep. So Jesse's probably best to talk about the difference between both. But Do you think it was a bit of a beat-up? We kind of, we've talked before. Yeah, but... it's really tricky because like, if you buy tickets to a 55,000 seat stadium on the floor when you know it's a basketball court that's going to be elevated you know you're going to have problems seeing so to for people to say hey I bought tickets for my kids on the floor and to think that you're going to be able to see perfectly like to me rubbish argument if you've got little kids you buy seats in the stand so you've got a view downwards that that's where I'm at like the, the main thing in the game one everyone's like oh and I, yeah, like I think it's sort of hinting out that it's not as big a blow up if Australia didn't lose the first game. Is that sort of where? You, and like the um, second game, there was no argument because we won. A little bit. I, yeah. th- I thought that came through very strongly. Mm-hmm. The negative stuff. I think one thing though for me, one. who didn't go to the first game, your expectations got automatically lowered because everyone was talking about how bad the experience was, and you're like, oh, maybe it's not going to be as good. And how's it going to actually be? And then you get there, and you're like, no, this is actually really great. And and I. I had such a fun time that entire day from the from the lead up and all the pregame stuff they did to just enjoying the game for what it was and I love the fact that it took the crowd probably 10 minutes to get into the game where you know when you're watching a game it's always like an us versus them mentality at the start of this game it was like we're here to just watch all these great basketballs play we don't know who to barrack for so there was it was like a weird eerie quiet feeling in the stadium and then before too long everyone's like no nah, bugger this let's go Australia and then they were booing when they were when America was shooting free throws and they were going crazy every time we hit a shot and it was just back to like you're at the NBL and watching your team play or whatever. Yeah. So um, the Thursday night, the first game, there was no atmosphere. I heard that, yeah. At all. And to me, that was because it was a lot of corporate people, a lot of people that... And like all you had to do was pick up the program from the night and it's got these definitions of dribble. What's a dribble? What's a dunk? And to me, that, that was a lot of the people that I saw there were like, like people asking, oh, you know, what NBA team does Chris Golding play for well yeah. you know turn around like yeah Miami Heat or whatever like the the people that were there like if they did this again you have it at Rod Laver Arena 10,000 seat stadium and you only let people who have been to an NBL game in the last 10 years who have paid for tickets to actually buy tickets there years. and you'd still, str- you'd still struggle to sell it out because yeah, right. the people that go to NBL don't pay <laughs> yeah? okay. they give out free tickets left right and center you don't have 10,000 paying people at an NBL game Stop paying for tickets. You have about four or 5,000 people who have their membership and pay and yeah. the rest are all free tickets. Oh, we've got to sell out. Yeah, you gave away half the stadium. Yeah, okay. But that's where you're at. So, yeah. Um, then you have people that care about basketball there. It was, it was such a great day. And then that last couple of minutes where it kind of clicked, I'm like, we could actually win this. It just – it went to another level for me. It was just, I just had such a good day. Um, yeah. I thought it was – Amazing viewing on the TV at home. I, I really like that. I mean, I made a call early based on some of the things you said, Jesse, knowing that it was a 55,000-seat stadium and the expectation of what the USA team would be. Um, but, you know, I think I texted you. I'm like, I, when I was sitting and watching at home, like, actually, I would have really liked to be there. Um, I think it came across as a bit of a cash grab and it does stink a little bit, some of the stuff, when the almost play on the Australian passion for NBA basketball with events in the past with we've heard, you know, stuff about the Kobe night and overselling tickets and people being on the floor and it just it, I mean it just felt a little bit like that given the prices and stuff. And I think you kinda nailed it. If it was a rod labor ten thousand seat, like I mean that'd be amazing, but it's just you know, it does that kind of work into the effort. But I think it shows off Australia as as, you know, being really passionate. I think what the 
is in translating to the NBL and the stuff we've got now with Lamelo Ball and IJ Hampton, I think it's a very positive kind of state for Australia. And then given our success, um, albeit not with a medal at the World Cup, um, it's kind of played quite well into the basketball. So. Australian basketball is in good state. I think I saw um, for the game against Spain, I think it peaked at, on Fox Sports, 175,000 people, which really? is huge for, yeah, a, for a Australian basketball game. Um, that, that, that's, that's big huge numbers. For big yeah. numbers. It's massive for anything on Fox. So yeah, that would be the highest thing yeah. ever Yeah. Oh, well, thank you very much. That was good. for dropping in. It was, hey, it's nice. We're going to um, tie everything together because very soon we're going to start launching into to team previews and looking towards season 19, 20, what's going on. And who's kind of kind of best place to take it all out? We'll probably be chatting some fantasy too after this in a week in a bit. So I have to give up that trophy. <laughs> I'm just feeling down about fantasy at the moment without that trophy sitting behind me. It's oh well, you're just gonna have to win it back, my friend. Month, yeah. yeah, the Colinac Paddywhack is being engraved on the trophy as we speak. I think so. Oh, okay. um, <laughs> um, Thank you, fellas. It's been a pleasure to have you on. You guys, as I introduced you earlier, podcast experts. <laughs> experts. So if you're interested in basketball as well as um, the best movies that Netflix have on offer, um, make sure you check out the Flix Forum. And if you have a listen, we, we may have Simon on as a special guest at some stage um, heading towards Christmas if you, you can hang out till about December. We've got him locked into the schedule for, yeah. for a few movie movie chats with us. I'm looking forward to it. December, it circled in my calendar. So. I like it. Um, thanks again. Make sure to subscribe um, to all the good things that we have. We're up on, on mostly everything, um, Spotify, CastBox, and iTunes. So thanks again. No, thanks and, for having us. Um, we'll have good. you on again very soon. Can't wait for the season Looking to Looking forward to your NBL one. It's going to be great. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>